if you tell a woke New York Times reporter the truth, the blue screen of death is going to appear on their face. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. First off, it's below freezing in Southern Oregon today, like way below, and all the beer that I keep outdoors, so it'll be pretty cold, froze. So I had to start a fire in my outdoor wood stove and then put a bunch of beer on top like it was a kettle. And now I'm drinking beer that's too warm, and when you open it, it foams all over the place. But anyways, better than completely frozen. So I'm listening to the Watching the Watchers with Robert Gouveia Esquire podcast. Terrible name for a podcast, but anyways, I like this guy. He's a lawyer in Arizona that I've been listening to ever since the uh, Rittenhouse situation went down. He did a video that I think is basically the definitive analysis of what happened when Rittenhouse, you know, defended himself and shot three people, killing two. And he, like, used, like, Google satellite maps to find the buildings, and then so you could watch the video, and you could see, oh, this building is behind him that says, you know, Bob's car lot or something. And so you know he's on the corner of blah, 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 and, and then, you know, do timestamps and, anyway, just a lot of crazy stuff where you could just... You could know exactly what happened when and where uh, on that night. You know, with the upshot being that it was total self-defense. No one murdered anyone. Although I believe, my guess is that half of America, or more, probably more, thinks that Rittenhouse is a a murderer who killed black people, which he's not a murderer and he didn't kill any black people. And then just weird coincidence, it turned out that one of the guys that he killed was... A guy who molested like four boys under the age of 13 repeatedly, and the other one was someone who liked to threaten his grandma and his little brother with a knife. And then the guy who lived was pointing a gun right at Rittenhouse's head when Rittenhouse uh, half blew his bicep off. Plus, Black Lives Matter is a false conspiracy theory. The Kenosha mayor let the rioters run amok, and someone had to step in, etc. But anyway, so Robert Gouveia, terrible name, hard to spell. Um, So he's breaking down Twitter files number six, the sixth drop of internal stuff. And it's a lot about how the FBI was in charge of kicking people off of Twitter. And so try and give some highlights to the best of my recollection. Um, Sounds like maybe the FBI had a 80 person unit of looking for people on social media to give them the boot. It was kind of interesting. I think one of the Twitter employees asked the FBI, like, hey, do you want us to do any of the, you know, to to worry about down ballot stuff, right? So in 2020, at the top of the ballot was Biden-Trump, and then everything, everyone else who was up for election, senators, governors, whatever, that's down ballot. And the FBI said, no, we're not worrying about any of that stuff, just the top of the ballot. So that's interesting. The, the FBI, maybe they didn't have time or inclination or whatever, but the only election that they were trying to influence was Biden-Trump. It wasn't against all Republicans or something. It was just against Trump. And so there's lots of emails between the FBI and Twitter. And Twitter's like, you know, what can we do for you, sir? And they're like, hey, could you ban this person, this person, this person, and this person? And they say, you know, it would be nice they wouldn't say, you have to do this, otherwise we're going to come arrest you, we're the FBI. They'd be like, it'd be cool if you'd ban these people, if you could, you know, if you could find something in your rules, if you could find a reason to ban these people, and they'd give them, like, lists of people. 
I think some of them are famous, but a lot of them are just nobodies, just people who have, I don't know, make up a number, you know, 10 followers, basically no followers. And they'd say stuff like, remember, they changed the day of the election to Wednesday, so don't go out on Tuesday, which is obviously a joke. I guess basically the FBI was like, I think, you know, they're not, they're not really that competent anyways. They were going crazy getting, like, people doing stupid jokes banned off of Twitter. As well as also, you know, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. And a bunch, probably some more stuff that we haven't heard yet. And then Gavouye is a lawyer. And so he was talking about, this this is the thing I want to know more. I I listen to a lot of legal podcasts. No one is breaking this stuff down. But it's, it's like Twitter's a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want. The First Amendment doesn't apply to them. Fine. I mean, I think it should, or Common Carrier... Anyways, that's another story. I think it should in some way, but in any case, it does not currently apply to them. But he was saying there's something called state action. And I think this was established in a 1991 Supreme Court case. I don't remember the name. But basically, if there's something the government is not allowed to do under the Constitution, they can't just go get a private company to do it for them, and then that's fine. Basically, if 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 they're controlling a private company to do stuff that they're not that they're not allowed to do it's like they're still doing it you know they be, you know the company becomes an arm of the government and now the that company can't go against the constitution so i think there's you know you could argue that what this whole censoring thing you know social media censoring trump supporters or whatever you know trying to swing the election basically social media companies trying to swing the election to biden at the behest of the FBI, that may actually be an illegal thing that, I think he said you can get a conviction of not more than 10 years for doing that. I mean, I'm sure no one will go to jail, but... And so I don't know a ton about state action, but, you know, I haven't heard, you know, like all those stories of all those evil government employees who went to prison for going against your constitutional rights, and it was all part of state action. Like, you know, I never heard of that happening to anybody, so I don't think I'm going to start hearing about it. And this is similar to what I was talking about the other day, where the law says illegal immigration is illegal, and the federal government needs to deport those people. But then the federal government, you know, we we have an open borders policy de facto right now, and so they don't do that. And then the question is, can the states, you know, DeSantis in Florida, Abbott in Texas, can they take over a job. If the federal government refuses to do a job, can they take over for them? I think generally the answer is no, although we got a conservative Supreme Court, so we'll see. You know, it might be kind of a states rights thing. And I say that because I think normally the person who'd have to be prosecuting the FBI for stealing the election for Biden would be the Department of Justice, which supposedly it's a independent it's supposed to be more independent than normal stuff from the president. But he does appoint the guy who's in charge of it. And he can fire the guy, for instance. Donald Trump used to hire and fire DOJ guys all the time because he could never get one to do what he wanted. But I think Biden is keeping the guy he's got because he's doing exactly what he wants. But basically, the question is, is the DOJ going to do what the anti-woke podcast host wants? And basically, it's going to be like the situation with Steve Bannon. If you remember him, he was like... Uh, the Svengali for Trump when Trump first started and then he got fired after Trump got elected. But the House of Representatives, they had their two-year-long um, investigation of January 6th, which I believe 
supposedly it's going to end on Monday. I, I guess I'll believe the, I'll believe that when I see it. But anyways, their investigation, the House of Representatives, they have subpoena power, and then if you don't show up, you can be charged with contempt of Congress. And so they tried to get Steve Bannon to um, testify. I guess he'd become friendly with Trump again towards the end of the administration or four-year period. And anyways, he refused to testify, so they charged him with contempt of Congress. But the House of Representatives doesn't really have, like, they don't have their own prisons and guards and I think they do have their own guys with guns, but anyways, they don't have the people... They don't have the whole system where they can go arrest you and throw you into prison. And so they have to turn that stuff over to the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice under Biden was like, sounds good to us. And so they did. I think they, I think they, I think he finally, I think Bannon finally saw the inside of a jail cell or else it's on appeal. But anyways, he's supposed to see the inside. Not for super, you know, months, six months max, I think. But here's my point. So the Republicans are now are about to be in control of the House. They're going to have subpoena power. They can call people in contempt of Congress all they want. But the conventional wisdom is that that will have no teeth, you know, because the DOJ under is still under Biden for the next two years. And so the DOJ is never going to throw anyone that the Republicans want thrown into prison, into prison. So I guess let's put it this way. If you want revenge on the FBI for what they did in 2020, then you're going to have to get the correct Republican president in office in 2024. And I bet they'll back down. You know, a lot of presidents, you know, like the standard thing that every president does is like, the military is too powerful and we need to stop fighting foreign wars. And then as soon as they get into office, they're like, give the military every dollar that they ask for and we need to go to war again. Happened with Obama, happened with Trump, happens with Biden. And so I doubt any president whatever, would have the moral, whatever, be moral enough to continue what they, to do what they said they would do. I doubt any president would do what they said they would do because they all get into the office and become pieces of shit. But anyways, maybe, maybe when the DO, if the DOJ is controlled in 2024 by Ron DeSantis or something, they're going to go after FBI agents for swinging the election against Trump. And probably not because it's going to be DeSantis versus Trump. DeSantis is not going to be feeling very favorable <laughs> to Trump by the time he gets through with that election, if he were to win. We need to take down the people who took down Trump. It's going to be like, no, you know what, I need, to, I need to use the people who took down Trump to take down my next Democratic opponent, is what will happen there. And then also, the podcast is talking about uh, Elon Musk banning a few, ban, you know, a reporter from New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, etc. And I talked about this the other day, and it seemed like Elon Musk was in the right, but maybe Elon Musk was doing some stuff that isn't right. And I'm still waiting for a, f- a full explanation of the thing that he may have done that I wouldn't agree with. But it's sounding more. I mean, the more I hear about it, the more it's like Elon is correct and all these reporters are wrong. I think the European Union and whatever, various government agencies are thinking about, we need to double check Elon for, I don't know what, for trying to influence the election or something. But Elon did a, uh, like a Zoom call with a bunch of reporters, I guess not the blocked ones because it's on Twitter and you can't do it if you're blocked. But then 
like one of the reporters on there was a New York Times person, and I think they brought the blocked New York Times reporter, you know, hey, comes, let's have two people in front of a laptop. We can talk to them. And so as a reminder, these people were, the reporters were kicked off the internet because they were linking to some Elon Jet. There was an Elon Jet Twitter account who was posting real-time GPS coordinates of Elon Musk's jet. Yeah, Elon Jet. And um, so anyways, Elon Musk said, you can't do real-time coordinates of anyone and their transportation. So he kicked that person off. And then, you know, a bunch of woke media organizations posted links to the Elon Jet account on Reddit and Facebook and et cetera. So all, you know, everywhere else it's not blocked. And so you could go follow around the jet every 12 feet or whatever. And so Elon went on this Zoom call and he's like, you can't post the real time coordinates of any people. That's doxing. Doxing is normally posting someone's address. You know, it's similar, similar to post someone's actual physical location as well as their home address. And you can't link to that stuff. Not telling the story very well, but anyways, the band New York Times reporter got on there and he's like, I don't know, he's just complaining. He's like, this is, you know, you, you said you didn't like what they did with Hunter Biden and now you're doing this to me. And then like Elon Musk hung up on him. I mean, the world's richest man. Normally a New York Times reporter, people don't hang up on you. You, get, you know, they gotta, they, gotta, they gotta give a shit about what you are gonna say about them. But I guess Elon didn't get that memo. But goddamn, all that. Here was the interesting part. You could just hear from these two New York Times reporters. You could, you, know, you could hear from the words that they said and also just the inflection in their voices and the bewilderment and the blah, blah, that they don't know what I know. Like, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know basically what I know. They don't know any of that stuff. They don't know any of the stuff where, like, the mainstream media is a bunch of liars and the things that they believe are completely false. Like, they don't know any of that. And it just, it reminds me when I talk to my woke buddy, we like to argue on Zoom occasionally, and, like, he doesn't know any of the stuff. He's not interested in knowing it. In fact, and if you tell him the proof, if you tell him the truth and you provide, you know, evidence even from something like the New York Times, then does not compute. All right, the classic example is that, what was it? I, th I think they polled people. So you identify, are you a you know, strong liberal, liberal, moderate, conservative, strong conservative? And people who um, put themselves in the strong liberal category, when they were asked this question, how many unarmed black men are killed by police each year? I think, they, I think the average answer that they, uh, thought was true was 10,000 when the actual answer is like, I don't know, it's like 12 or something. Basically, they were off by about a factor of a thousand. But anyways, you could just hear these New York Times reporters, you know, they're in their own bubble. They, they work at the New York Times. Everyone around them agrees. No one ever looks up stuff to find out that they're wrong. Or if they do, they keep their mouths fucking shut. But I'm sure, you know, those New York Times reporters would be like, oh yeah, thousands, thousands and thousands of unarmed black men are being killed every year by the police and then the washington post is the one that keeps the you know keeps the police shooting database you'd be like oh right here right here is the washington post saying that that ain't true and then it'd be does not compute 
So anyways, everything to do with Twitter, everything to do with censorship, freedom of speech, the difference between trying to make sure that anyone who wants to assassinate Elon Musk knows his exact coordinates versus suppressing a, the government suppressing something that can swing the election against Trump. Like they just, it just, it does not compute. I'm going to start using that term a lot because that's just what it is. It just does not compute. doesn't matter if you show them proof, etc. does not compute. Like if you force them to like sit in a room and just look at the truth, that does not compute, right? It'd be like the blue screen of death, if you remember that from Windows. But, okay, so back to following the JET. I think that's, there's a couple acronyms involved. I think it's the IPCO and the PIA. Doesn't matter. But one of those is the thing where the FAA, there's another acronym, publishes real-time GPS coordinates of all the jets in America. And then the other acronym is apparently rich people have complained like, hey, people are being able, you know, they can use your website or whatever and track me down to the meter. And I feel like I might get killed over this. I don't like it. And so the FAA created, I think this is the PIA, the FAA did the PIA. And so what that is, is that you can create like a false call sign for your airplane. And so you're not supposed to be able to track anyone's jet. Just like, here are all the jets in America, but you're not supposed to be able to track Taylor Swift's jet. You know, this is the name of Taylor Swift's jet, and you follow Taylor Swift around. No. And then every month they give you a new made-up call sign. And this part, don't quote me on it, I believe someone said that circumventing this false call sign stuff to figure out who it really belongs to is illegal. But anyways, so... Elon Jet and all these hundreds of other um, Twitter accounts, Facebook accounts, etc., that are tracking celebrities, or maybe they're all just tracking Elon, trying to get him killed. I don't know. They figured out a way to figure out the, you know, whatever, whatever they're calling Elon's private jet this month, they'd figure that out. I think what they do is they just, he, he flies from Austin to Los Angeles, back and forth. And so when they change the name, they just look at, oh, what, what, the jet that just the jet that we knew was Elon just landed in Austin, and now there's a jet with a different name flying out of Austin back to LA the next day. He's like, oh, that's Elon. So they can they can just follow it real easy. But the point of all this is that there was like some talking points. I'm, I'm gonna talk about this in a second. Anyways, there were some talking points, and one of the talking points, if you're the mainstream media and you think Elon Musk is the new Trump and you gotta take him down or your readers would enjoy you taking them down or whatever if you you know if you got to do lies or not anyways one of the talking points was you say these three words publicly available information and that's you know basically when all when all the I mean media outlets all across the nation they were saying oh it's just publicly available information and that's cuz they don't know they don't know what I know I mean it's taken me several days to like figure out exactly what the hell's going on but it's not exactly publicly available information because the call sign for the jet has been hidden and then people are circumventing it. So is that really publicly available information? I would say it's either not publicly available information or if you're going to say that, you need to add some caveats like it's publicly available if you do some illegal shit to get it. Well, that's, okay, I'm not even sure it's illegal, but it's publicly available if you do some stuff you're not supposed to do to get it. That would be a correct statement. 
And so basically, just because I finally know exactly what happened with all the situation, I like to, any time a mainstream media outlet starts talking about it, I like to listen to it and go, lie, 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 you know. I listen to it, I go, true, 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 lie, true, true, lie, lie, true, true, true. And the answer is this story just, they've, they're, they're not doing any reporting, they're just copying each other. And they're all lying, like a ton, a freaking ton. The whole thing is just riddled with lies. So let's go back to Elon Musk. And he kicked off various reporters because they were posting links to the jet thing. And then he did the Zoom call. That's something else to say. Uh, The New York Times reporters were upset. The guy who got kicked off of Twitter is upset. I believe it's only a seven-day suspension. But anyways, he was upset. It was important for this New York Times reporter to be on Twitter. Like, if you kicked me off of Twitter, it wouldn't matter. I'm going to be one of those things where, like, if you take something away, then you want it bad, but, like, whatever. If I stop using Twitter on my own account, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean nothing. But I guess if you kicked me off, I'd be pissed. I got one listener on there who interacts with me at this point. So shout out to Crocoduck. Love that guy. I think he's named after a thing. You remember Kirk Cameron from... Growing Pains TV show in like the 80s and 90s, um, he became religious, and I think he he said that if evolution was real, then we'd have a crocoduck. We'd have a cross between a crocodile and a duck. Anyways, that's why Crocoduck named himself Crocoduck. But, so, Twitter is very important to, you know, put it in quotes if you want, journalists. And there's a few reasons. One of them is like the gutting of the local news media like you know every city used to have like its own little newspaper and the newspaper had like its own little reporters you know maybe you know kind of like an old black and white movie but pretty much since the internet uh those newspapers have gone away so everyone who had that job has gone away and so pretty much all news has become national like you know wherever you live in america you're just hearing about what's going on with trump for instance you're not hearing about the local dog catcher who did something untoward to his daughter or whatever what do they call that they call that okay so shoe leather journalism that's what you used to call it when you had like a hey i'm going you know you're talking a funny voice you know james cagney and you go do some journalism that was called shoe leather journalism that doesn't happen anymore it's all online and basically twitter allows journalists to talk to each other and what it means is that you, you know, if you, if you, do, you know, if your job is to be on Twitter as a so-called journalist, then you are hip to the new thing. Whatever happened, you know, the breaking news, like you, you know about it within, you know, one minute, quite possibly. You get a notification on your phone. Your phone buzzes, and you're like, oh, I know exactly what happened in the world today. And that's happening to all the journalists. And then what they do is they copy each other, like one kind of real shoe leather type journalist, someone who's there, someone who's there physically, you know, maybe they're in Iraq and there's a bombing of a mosque or something. And then they, you know, they put that on Twitter and then every newspaper and every website and blah, 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 all across the world, they're reporting that there was a bombing at a mosque in Iraq, you know, within, within five minutes. And so that's what you do as a journalist. You don't actually go anywhere or do anything. What you do is you follow Twitter, and then you rewrite what someone else wrote. You summarize. And so that's why Twitter is so important to a New York 
you know, your average New York Times journalist is because all they're doing is reading Twitter and summarizing Twitter. And if they get kicked off of Twitter, I mean, there goes your job. I mean, you, you can't do your job. It's almost like you're about to get fired. And I think when you go when you go to get a job at the New York Times, you can say, "Oh, I have a million Twitter followers." New York Times is like, "Oh, sweet, you're hired." You know, so just creating an account and you know you get kicked off, you create an account and you just read other people's stuff. That's not going to work. Like you got to be able to talk back and forth, etc. And so we're in an interesting situation where, like, you know, the people I get my information from, a lot of them on YouTube, it's like they always speak the truth. And if they say something wrong, then they apologize. But also, they know they know exactly what the rules on YouTube are, Twitter, etc., because they keep getting dinged for it. Like you know, if you don't hate Trump, I mean, these are not Trump supporters, but they they're people who they're not Biden supporters either. So, anyways, if you tell the truth, you might get kicked off of social media. I mean, that's exactly what this whole FBI Twitter thing is. And so they have to learn the rules. Like, you really learn the rules when there's a the sword of Damocles hanging over your head. And then for all the New York Times journalists, you know, people like them, they never heard of any of this stuff, right? You know, just, they could lie. I mean, they've been lying. They have been lying one lie after another. You know, every 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 paragraph has a lie in everything that they write. And but there's never been any jeopardy for them. And so they never had to, they never had to learn how the world the world works if you're not being protected because you're trying to get Trump taken down and you're trying to get Biden elected. So that's gonna be interesting to watch. And then uh, oh, let's see other other things. Trying to wrap it up here. I can't remember. I think it was ABC News when Elon Musk took over Twitter. ABC News said we're never gonna use Twitter again. So you know, this is how the news organizations can fight back. They can all leave Twitter, anyways. And then ABC News came back. I don't know, a few days later, like, hmm, this ain't working. And I think the other day, I think more recently anyways, uh, NBC News told all of its, this might have been real recent, anyways, told all its reporters, do not fight with Elon Musk on Twitter. And to keep stuff even Stevens here, so the bad thing that Elon Musk may have done, but I, I, I want to hear more about it. I bet there's more to it, and he didn't do something bad, but I don't know was that someone called the LAPD to double check if Elon had called them about his son's car being attacked, blah, 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 and the LAPD said no, and he put that on Twitter, and then Elon banned him, which would not be an acceptable use of the ban hammer. Anyways, that'll probably be good enough for an update. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.